When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. <laughs> You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You put into you put in a deposit, you can get $1,000 in free plays. All right. Now joined by one of the legends of the Tucson media scene, who is also now wearing a jacket in homage to one of the legends of the coaching scene, Mr. William Brad Alice. Hello, William. Hello, Michael. I hope I don't overheat. <laughs> I was going to say, well, explain to some of the youngsters out there who what exactly that jacket does signifies. Uh, this is what I would call my Dick Tomey era starter pullover. Uh, it actually belongs to my brother. I found it in a box while going through it this weekend. Uh, he got the U of A one. I got the Arizona Coyote one or back then Phoenix Coyotes. But yeah, uh, rocking it when I can. Uh, the weather a little warm, but I thought, why not back the A, back the A, back to uh, uh, the classic Tomy era. I would not know anything about the hot weather because I'm not currently in Tucson, but I'm letting Brad do that right down there. It's so. not even terrible. It's just, you know, when you throw a jacket on in your house and you got the lighting on for the, for the stream, I, if I pass out, someone, uh, right. someone yep. call my wife. Somebody will come and get you. Okay. Let's talk some Arizona football here. And that's in the scrimmage. I, I was, um, I do believe, and we got to start with Jade and Delora here. Sometimes guys are just gamers. Like when you go to practice, a lot of times Delora doesn't look good, but in the scrimmage, Brad, he looked really good. He was making all the throws. He showed a command of the offense. Is there maybe just something to that? And were maybe people stressing out a little bit and forgetting the fact that this man was the Pac-12 freshman of the year last year? You know, we've seen this twice in uh, Arizona recent history uh, with guys who are just better when the lights came on and, and most notably was Nick Foles. Right. Um, I was at every practice the year he was battling Matt Scott for the uh, starting job. And Scott was better in practice. I should say better. Scott was more consistent in practice. Mm -hmm. But there was a private scrimmage. And uh, our good friend uh, Kevin Woodman was allowed to attend. Couldn't mm -hmm. report on it. But he mentioned Foles looked better. Um, and what? It took three weeks for him to assume the job that he never gave it up. Uh, Khalil Tate was that way as well. Right. Um, Tate had that really good spring game where, you know, he was what the third quarterback. Right. And in Tate's case, 
I think what it is, is I think when you're in practice, everything is super structured. And he was a guy who didn't thrive in structure. Um, he was very much a guy who, when things broke down, he was at his best. Right. Um, so things don't break down in a very detailed, you know, practice setting. They break down less in a, in a scrimmage than in a real game, but there was opportunities there. And when he got his opportunity, when Dawkins got hurt, and, you know, I won't want to say he was playing street ball. That's not accurate. Um, but if, uh, you know, if if the first read wasn't there, he'd take off and run. Right. And we know what he could do then. And Delara may be that guy as well, where when you're doing a drop back and you're throwing that same pass 10 times in a row, uh, when you're, you know, running the, the super scripted plays of a seven-on-seven, you don't do as well because sometimes you need that lineman breathing down you. And he wasn't going to get hit in the scrimmage, but sometimes you get that little bit of adrenaline. You get that little bit of, 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 of you know, fear running through you and you play better. Right. Uh, and I think maybe that's what we're seeing in Delar. It also gets maybe a guy who's slowly getting acclimated to this new system. And, you know, the minute anyone struggles and I'm just as guilty as this of anyone and someone else like Fafita is playing well, we automatically always long for what, we, you know, the, the next guy. Right. I think we did that a little bit. But as I said on my podcast, the minute we start talking about whether Fafita can steal this job, Dolores probably going to go out and have his best practice. What did he do? He had his best practice on Friday and had a really good scrimmage on Saturday. And I think closed a door that may not have even been opened. All right. You mentioned Noah Fafita. And to me, he's fa very fascinating because – I, I'm in. I, I think whenever he does hit the field, I think he's going to be good. He really is about five foot seven. There's he's no taller than me, that's for sure. And but when you watch him, Brad, the height doesn't really seem to be a problem. Sure, he gets some passes batted down at the line, but his first of all, he's got the best arm on the team. He can move around. His feel for the game is next level. College football, especially at the power five level, has never really seen a guy that size who is going to be winging it possibly 30 times a game. And so that to me is where you're kind of in uncharted waters. Yeah. I mean, I think the closest comparison would probably be Doug Flutie, but even then that was a different era of football. I think he probably, right. you know, what do you throw 25 times a game? Right. Um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what they do. Can they scheme for his lack of size? Do they roll them out? Do they do wider splits? Is Jed fish who was very NFL motivated willing to kind of scrap some of that stuff because there's a reason, you know, who's the shortest quarterback in the NFL, Kyler. Right. Uh, Drew Brees in the, you know, Drew Brees is a, like a legit six one. Right. Kyler is probably sub six foot, but there's not many. Um, and the, you know, granted everyone is bigger, faster, stronger in the NFL, but can Jed fish who, again, we don't know what kind of offensive coordinator he really is. Right. We know what he might be. Can he scheme for Fafita? Because you're going to have to scheme differently. And, and that's true of most quarterbacks. Very few coaches have a plug-and-play system. Right. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned Scott and Foles. They ran different offenses. Not completely different, but they were different elements. Um, so, you know, Dawkins and, uh, you know, even, even Dawkins and Tate, who were probably closer, ran different versions of that offense. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and whether he can see the field this year, uh, my guess is he will play a little bit with the new redshirt rule. But, yeah, I think we're looking at the future for, for Fafita and what can he be. All right, let's talk about a guy that a lot of people think is related to me, but he's not. Mr. Rayshon Speedy Luke. Now, Brad, when you watch him, again, about 5'8", 165, but 
he has a next level burst. He has a next that nobody else on the team has. We'll get to Jacob Cowing in a second, but this is different. I, I can't remember a guy like a speedy Luke who had functional football speed slash elusiveness in there. I mean, we've heard about guys that were supposed to be this. Everybody remembers, you know, uh, Rich Rod always had a five, two guy from Florida who he would say was going to be that guy. And he never was speedy. Luke is that guy. And I can't remember a guy like that in Arizona's history, to be honest with you. Maybe the closest example might be Northcutt and, and Mike Thomas. Right. Thomas was really fat. People forget. Um, but even then, he was more a solidly built guy, and he became kind of a possession guy. Um, but I think Northcutt may be the closest guy. Um, what will be interesting to see is how, how do they use him. Um, how would like, you use him? To me, honestly, I'd use him kind of like Oregon State uses Jacquez Rogers at first. Mm-hmm. Line him up in the slot, run the jet sweep. Some deep Anthony uh, Thomas in him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, basically try to find. I'll tell you a guy you're going to want to watch. Again, I always bring it back to the Chiefs. Chiefs drafted a running back out of uh, Rutgers named Isaiah Pacheco, who runs a legit four three. They're using him much in the. I think the same way they're going. The, the Cats are going to use Speedy Luke at least this year, and that is more as a receiver. Get him in space, uh, bubble screens, quick screens, um, you know, in the flat. Because you don't want him running between the tackles yet. And right. You may never, to be honest. Um, you know, even at, he may max out about 175, 180, even if he gets pure muscle. And, again, you got to find a way to, to put on the muscle while keeping that functional speed. Um, so he may be a guy you never want – rushing the ball 15 times, especially up the middle. Right. But he's the guy, again, jet sweep, bubble screen, uh, running some kind of option outside. Um, but if, if he's not getting, you know, 10 touches, at least initially, I'd be surprised. That, and that's um, where I'm the guy you want. If you don't have many big play guys, I don't think they do. I think they, while they have a very capable receiving core, I'm not sure they have a home run hitter. And that's been true of Arizona football for a long time. So if this guy's your home run hitter, if the, then let's see them use him in a variety of ways. Yeah. And I agree with, I would love to see him have all of the kick returning duties as well, because Jacob Cowing to me is the best player on this team. Um, you know, he's not the tallest guy, but I do believe he's probably going to be in the NFL in a year. I would love to, but I don't want to see him necessarily on special teams. Cause I think he's too valuable to the receiving core. I would love to see speedy get, a few carries out of the backfield, four or five catches per game, and handle all those kick return duties. I think that that's a pretty good little role to have for him in this first year. Yeah, again, and then when he adds muscle, assuming he's capable, and again, that sounds funny, but some guys just can't bulk. Right. Um, and, and he may never be. In which case, as long as you get him stronger at 165, you know, we keep seeing people who confuse weight with size. Right. Um, or, I, right. You know, he may carry 165 like a tank. Uh, just like, you know, Jonah Coleman can carry 220 on his frame. Some guys can't do that. A lot of guys can't do that. So let's see what he is a year from now, and then we'll get a better idea. Because again, you can be perfectly strong and durable at 5'7, 175, 180. Um, you know, look at work done. He was that size. Right. I mean, he was five seven. I think he was about one eighty when he one eighty. Right. Yeah. And he and a but he was back but he back. was solid. And, right. and maybe that's what Luke ends up being. And if so, great. But yeah, don't 
uh, hurt him, you know, don't, but don't injure him now because again, he will develop more and it, you know, he may hit 20 years old and also put that muscle on. All right. Let me tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, William. Code word PHNX. All right. Now you might think to yourself, William likes the Chiefs. I would 100% say, all right, William, do you like the, what is the over under on the Chiefs this year? I think they're somewhere in that 10 or 11 range. What do you, what do you say? If it's 10 and a half, I take the over. If it's All right. 11, eh, I'm probably staying away from it. All right. Well, there, William's giving you the advice right there from an insider, a home run hitter. Now, you got to remember here 21 and up, Arizona only. You got a gambling problem, call 1 800 next step. But again, this is the place to be. You're going to be able to get all the best bets in game, in game uh, futures, everything you need. We got that. Okay. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right. Our guy, Sean Seeley. Prince of the East Side wanted to get your guys' take on the Jed Fish is on the hot seat. Jed Fish is not on the hot seat. I'm not, I know you're not saying that, but when Jed Fish was hired, it was well understood by all parties that this was a massive rebuild that he was about to undertake. And this is not, there is no way that he is on the hot seat, especially with all the goodwill that he's built and the recruiting that he's making in uh, inroads. Nobody should have expected Arizona to be getting nine wins in his second season. No, uh, you know, and I, I look at this, and I did address this on my podcast, Sean, if you haven't checked it out yet. I know you're pretty loyal. So um, he could wind up on the hot seat. If Arizona goes out and just lays an egg this season and looks no better than they did last year, um, then I could see him being on the hot seat. But I think the only way he gets fired is if they absolutely lay an egg and there's a major scandal. Because right. first of all, everyone knows this is a major rebuilding process. Secondly, they can't afford it. You're still paying off two other coaches. Well put. Um, you know, maybe they're done paying Rich Rod. I don't think they are, though. Right. Um, and you just came off the books. Yeah, and then someone. So, again, if they go out and go one and eleven this year and are getting blown out, yeah. But in reality, you're just you know, even some of the biggest detractors. If they get three wins but look good doing it, then. I'm going to be happy, maybe not thrilled, but happy. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are hoping they can get to that five, six, seven, and I think that'll be difficult. Um, but again, if they if they win three games and, and look good and look better and continue to do what they did last year, and that's get better throughout the season, uh, then I think, yeah, the program's moving in the right direction. And, you know, again, if they go zero and twelve, then, then then maybe we're talking about because I think it'd be really hard to have a program that wins one football game in three years. But I don't foresee that happening either. What is you, what are your expectations for Jacob Cowing this year? I Keep mean, I think, I think he's the number one receiver. Seven. Yeah, I, I I think he'll be hard pressed to put up the same numbers for a couple reasons. Right. One, uh, he's got more receiver talent around right. him. Two, level of competition. You know, UTEP's schedule was UTEP's schedule. Um, you know, and, and three, I think defenses will definitely be keying on him. Right. But, you know, if he can flirt with 1,000 yards, I think that's big. You know, and if he can get to 1,100 yards, that's fantastic. Uh, he's, again, a lot of it's going to be how good is Arizona's offense. Um, you know, obviously, he's surrounded more talent than than UTEP had. But, he, again, he's not playing North Texas. He's not playing UTEP. He's not playing Abilene Christian anymore. No. Right. 
One thing that was fascinating. Now, let me ask you this. I look at this offensive line and I'm okay with the five, the starting five, whether it's Jordan Morgan, Peyton Fears, Baker, Donovan, and Savanea. My concern though, is that there really isn't much depth behind it. Now, I, I think a guy like Leaf Magnuson can play in time, but right now I don't, those five guys, they have to stay healthy, Brad. At the very least, what you still need to do is you need to find a swing tackle and a swing guard. Right. Um, and for people not necessarily familiar with those terms, because they don't get used probably enough, basically you need a guy who can go in and play either tackle position off the bench. Right. Or can play one and, and then, you know, your other tackle moves over. Uh, you need a guy who can play the interior. He may not be your backup center, but uh, can go and play either guard spot in case a guy goes down. If you have seven linemen and you can keep them healthy, then you have enough. If you have less than that, you're in big trouble. If you have more, great. Uh, but we all know how hard it is to find quality linemen these days. Uh, so Arizona, yeah, but that's what they need. They need to find two guys on the bench who can provide those swing positions. And in which case, then you have to hope you re you remain healthy. Right. And if you remain healthy, then hopefully you're good. Now let's move over to the defensive side. Am I drinking the Kool-Aid being that I actually think Arizona's D-line for the first time in quite a while, I'm not going to say they're great, but I think there are some pieces to work with there. And obviously it starts with Keon Bars, who five sacks in 10, 10 games last year. Hunter Eccles has gotten rave reviews. If they can get something out of Jalen Harris, obviously more consistency. Am I wrong in thinking that this could be an, an, a decent unit? No, I don't think so. And I think what I kind of like from this unit is there appears to be the potential to have two really good rush ends Right. And depth on the interior defensive line. Uh, you know, you mentioned bars. They've got the, the transfers from UCLA. They're running a lot of right. young guys out there. Um, if you can find five or six interior defensive linemen and keep them rotated and fresh, that's huge. Because, again, we've seen Arizona. That may be the biggest position of need since Tommy. Right. Is, I mean, how many times are we converting a tight end to, to defensive yeah. tackle? The only time I ever felt comfortable with the D, D outside of Tommy was Stoops, where you had the year when you had Elmore and Brooks Reed, and I believe Earl Mitchell was in there as well. That but was even the then they were a little weaker up the middle. That was you know they had the three NFL defensive ends that year. Right. They had uh, DeAndre Reed too. DeAndre Reed as well, uh, and then you had Earl Mitchell, who again, what he carve out a twelve-year NFL right. career. Uh, but beyond that, you had one or two other solid defensive lineman. I want to say, oh, who was the kid? He was the high school teammate of uh, of, of Mike Thomas. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Really good kid. Um, who was a solid player in the middle, but you didn't have any depth. Right. Oh, I can't think of his name. Uh, I can't think of it either. Oh, yeah. He, we, we actually got to be pretty like, he liked my question. So right. he would search me out on media days and didn't have to talk to anyone else. And now I can't think of his name and I feel like a, a, a scumbag. But yeah, but they had a few guys, but they didn't have depth. Like if, you know, I mean, Earl Mitchell was playing 60% of the snaps. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. Other than that, it's been few and far between. Um, I mean, just look at, you know, how many, do they have any defensive linemen? In, in the, when was the last time they had a defensive lineman in the NFL? I think right. it was Mitchell and, and Brooks Reed. And, and I think that that's the, uh, and I, and Sean, we'll get to your question in just a second. It's a very good question. Um, I think Keon Bars is honestly, honestly the first guy that I think has some NFL potential on that D line in quite a long time, to be honest with you. Um, and I think this entire D line is going to basically go off what he does. You got to remember too, last year, people forget that he, 
you know, force is an overused term at times, but he was he was a problem for defenses towards the end or offenses towards the end of the year. You know, the one thing is if you have a quality defensive tackle, um, it changes how teams have to block you. Right. Um, look at the Rams. And again, I'm not comparing them to, to Jason Donald. You Aaron could, Donald. You but, can be honest with, if you think we have the next Aaron Donald. No, I don't. Show, but, break it right here. But if you have a guy who automatically eats up two blocks and you've got to worry about him getting to your quarterback, I, you know, throw in a guy like Chris Jones in, in Kansas city. Um, I'm not talking the run plugging. Right. D tackle, but guys who could actually get in and, and make plays. And again, having a 350 pounder who can just clog up the middle works great. But if you have a guy who can actually wreak havoc in the backfield, then suddenly you can't focus as much on the outside pass rush. Right. Um, and it makes everyone better. So if, if he can be a guy, again, if he can duplicate five, six sacks, uh, 10 tackles for loss, maybe that's going to open things up, especially if suddenly you've got Harris and Eccles being above average pass rushers, because right. then you've got to focus on three guys. Right. And then if they decide to blitz, you know, suddenly it really opens up a lot of avenues as opposed to, you know, we've seen a lot of schemes that, you know, you've got the run stopping end, you've got the, you know, run stopping D tackles and you're hoping your one defensive end and your blitz package can get to the quarterback. And for Arizona, as we've seen more often than not, that hasn't worked the last decade. All right. Let's talk about the back seven here in just a second. But again, FOCO, the number one uh, merchandise, officially merchandise sports paraphernalia going on. Check it out. FOCO.com. Brandon Sanders wears stuff from FOCO. And if it's cool enough for one of the hardest haters in school history, it's cool enough for you. Check it out, FOCO. And a reminder that Four Peaks Brewery is the official brewery of PHNX. Check it out. Good raffles, all kinds of stuff right there. Good stuff. All right. Back seven here, because Arizona's going to be running a 4-2-5. Um, you hear a lot about Christian Young and what do, and uh, Sean, we'll get to that in just a second. I apologize. But you hear a lot about Christian Young. What do you expect? Who do you need to be those game breakers next season for uh, you know, this season for Arizona to make a difference? They need competency at the cornerback position. Right. My guess is you're going to need at least one of the two freshmen uh, to step up. And I'm I, and when I'm talking, you know, I know they brought in more than two freshmen, but I'm talking to Cario Davis and Ephesian um, Prysock. I hope right. I pronounced that right. No, you got it. You got it. Um, because you combine those guys with Stoops, with uh, you know the other two guys, and and, and if you can get competency, um, because. I don't think they're very deep at safety. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't know how talented you, you mentioned young and I, um, you know, but I don't know, man, there's a reason you have five committed defensive backs already and that, and they may bring in eight or nine. Right. Uh, and I know they got some upperclassmen who are leaving, but you know, no, I'm, already, I'm, I'm the same they way. Had I to move Gunnar Maldonado to, to nickel. Um, yeah. So as if you can't cover, then you better have an elite pass rush. And I don't think this is an elite pass rush. Right. I think they have the ability to be a good pass rush, which helps as well. But yeah, if you can get at least one of the two young corners to come in and, and, and play at a higher level than they got last year, uh, then I think you're, you're, you've got the chance for this to be, again, a competent uh, middle of the pack defense, which All right, is, before again, we move I think the best case scenario. 
All right, let's ask. We're going to talk a little bit of hoops here now. But Sean Seeley says, I know Fish put an ad in the paper about wanting 50000 for the home opener. Do you see that happening? Uh, no. Unfortunately, I think that Arizona fans, there will be people that will show for sure. But I think Arizona fans are in a wait and see approach. What if, and again, I don't necessarily believe it, San Diego State, 42 to 10. What if Cowing has 250 yards or. Hmm. hmm. Are there now. Is there enough savvy Arizona fans who are going to, is there enough casual Arizona fans who are going to notice and care enough? And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have my, my finger on the pulse of the average fan anymore. Right. Um, But you are the average fan, Brad. I don't think I am the average fan. I think I am. uh, I think I would hope I I would be the exceptional fan, except, (laughs) you know, um, cause I, I do, I deal with people like Sean and with, you know, y- your cast and, and, and the people who listen to my podcast. Um, and frankly, I work from home three days a week. And when I am in the office, there's only two guys who talk football. So right. I don't know what the general community feels anymore about Arizona football. Um, my guess is a lot of them are burned out on it. Um, so it, you may win 70 to 14 and, and not enough people would care to get 50,000 yet. Um, in years past, I think you could have won twenty-one twenty, and you would have gotten fifty thousand or close. Right. To it. But I think, yeah, I think if this team starts to win and does it in an exciting fashion, I hope you see a lot of fans. But you know, we're also living in a different era, and, and I hate to say it, but you know, having kids of my own now, I'm going to have night baseball games. I have to coach this year. Right. You know, you used to you used to have AYSO games in the day. You've got really good TV coverage sometimes. Um. You know, I understand that, you know, it's not as easy, I don't think. It's easier to watch the game from home now than it's ever been, especially when you have a family and the kids have to be in bed by 8 o'clock or they have to be up early, whatever the case may be. It's just easier, and that's always going to be, you know, that's just going to be the way it is. Yeah, now, if you put a really good product on the field, you make the game day atmosphere entertaining, and unfortunately, I don't mean singing journey songs between quarters. Um. Yes, yeah, we're, and, we're and on the same page. Again, it there's nothing like going to a college football, and and frankly, this and this is part of I think the dilemma you get for guys like us. What do you want from a college football game? I want a pet band the whole time. I mm. want I want to hear. I don't want I don't want you blaring cougar yeah. noises over the PA. <laughs> I don't need stuff on the video screen. I want college sure. football. That's why when I, you know, I, and I haven't done it in a few, there was something like about a, like a Friday night, a crisp, cool Friday night going to the local high school and the pep bands playing and the, you know, and then, and the alums are on the sideline and the kids are, there's just something about live football that, cause you want to differentiate it from the NFL. Right. For sure. Um, you know, there's something magic about a drum line on a Saturday afternoon. You know, this was my favorite part about going to U of A. We do up the drum line. You could hear it all over campus while they were warming up. So, um, you know, and maybe I'm not the right person for that anymore, but that's what I want from college football. I don't need helmet races and, but my right. kids do. So it's a, it's a weird dichotomy, but you know, I want to get out as many games as I can get out to this year. And, and hopefully there's a, a, a good fun product to see. All right. Let's talk a little bit of Arizona basketball here before we sign off in just a second. But again, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Will you put down a deposit? You get up to a thousand dollars in free plays. William likes the over of Chiefs 11 wins. I don't even know if that's the number or not, but if that is the number, check it out right there. 
I back in the A of over two and a half wins. William is back in the A of over two and a half wins, correct? Yes. Okay, so we're both back in the A there. Now, listen, a lot of people probably think I'm stupid, but nobody out there thinks that we're both stupid. So again, back the A right there. Again, 21 and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They'll get you all taken care of. Okay, Arizona basketball this year. I want to ask you about a couple players here, first and foremost. Azulis Tabellis. Can he be an All-American this year for Arizona and a guy and a legitimate All-American where people look around and you're like, yeah, that's one of the 15 best players in the country? I think he can because mm-hmm. we've seen glimpses of it. Right. Uh, and, and people forget, again, had Arizona maybe made a deeper run, we might forget how good his, the first part of the season was for him. Right. So he got hurt. And you know, it reminds me a lot of, in a totally different circumstances, uh, Hassan Adams senior year mm-hmm. where Hassan Adams, you know, scoring average dropped seven points a game down the final month of the season, which right. is really hard to do right. statistically. But to Bellis, we, yeah, was a guy who at one point was, you know, we forgot cause he's steady mm-hmm. because once Coloco and Terry emerged, Coloco scores eight points and they're all big dunks or, you know, you're so excited for the kid. You forget that two Bellas had eight as well, because, his are boring usually. Right. It's a putback. It's you know, it's yeah, big man moves. You know, yeah. it's kind of like he's not he's not skying in and dunking over people and all that. Yeah. Right. I mean, how many times did we you look up and suddenly Channing Fry had twelve? Yeah. Fry was because again we all remember Fry shooting threes in the NBA. He didn't at Arizona. He was right. Suddenly you're like, oh, Fry has fourteen and eight. I had <laughs> yeah, no for idea sure. because why Jason Gardner was jacking up threes and Salim was being Salim, right. and Walton was no look passing, and Ricky Anderson was taunting the crowd or whatever. Uh, same thing here, you know, Coloco's all arms and legs with block shots from the fifth row. Matherin was special. Terry was doing everything. Kirk Creasa was getting phone numbers from opposing cheerleaders. You know, whatever it was. Right. But yeah, Tubelis is a guy who could easily average 18 and nine this year and, and maybe be the most boring guy in America doing it. Let me ask you one more guy before we sign off here. Jer- or, uh, Cedric Henderson comes in from Campbell. Again, it's Campbell University. I get that. Played really well against Duke, has an NBA pedigree and is, you know, from his father. What are you looking for from him this year? What do you expect from him? That's, I think, a very good question because I still don't know what he is. Right. Is he going to be the undersized power forward off the bench? Is he a wing? Um, I thought he was closer to 6'8", 6'9", but now I see a lot of places listing him at 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, right. Um, so he's not as big as somehow I thought he was, and maybe that's my own mistake, or maybe, I don't know, there's revisionist history. Um, but, yeah, I think he is a guy who I think he will play the four when they go small. I think he can give you spot minutes at the three. Obviously, he's going to play because you don't bring in a guy like that. But – you know, if Adama Ball is the real deal, right? And if that's where it gets fascinating, if Pella Larson's better, and if Henry Veser's the real deal, you're fighting for minutes now. You're fighting for minutes, and there's not a lot of minutes to go around at that point, which is obviously a good problem to have. Yeah. So, I, I, you, if you tell me he's going to be fourth on the team in scoring, being the number one guy off the bench, I'd believe it. And if you tell me he winds up being the ninth guy in an eight and a half man rotation, Unfortunately, I think I'd believe it. So probably somewhere in between. Brad, as always, can't thank you enough for coming on, my man. Appreciate you. And uh, 
Uh, just so everybody out there knows, Brad's going to be on post games with Shu and I when he can, when schedule permits. Obviously, got the parenting duties to come first. Uh, we got, you know, we got fall ball, we got volleyball. I think volleyball games will be over early enough, but yeah, fall ball, baseball. We're trying to get the game scheduled earlier this year because they were all seven thirty last year on a Saturday, Gross. even though the fields were open. So. Gross. Uh, yeah, we're going to try and do that. It, you know, if not, I'll just jump on and harass you guys right. like I used to last yeah. year. Appreciate you, Brad, man. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. I got to get this jacket off. I think I've lost three pounds in water weight. I've got to get I'll out. Keep, or maybe I'll keep it off. You do that. I'm going to get out to the, uh, I'm going to get out to the lake. What's the over and under on geese as you fight? Dude, it's amazing. I had no clue that there were geese everywhere. And so I went up to a, I went up to a lady on the beach and I said, are these ducks or geese? And she rolls her eyes and she says, Yes, they're geese, and yes, they're problems. And uh, so, yeah, they suck. There's no other I way think, around it. I have a feeling you're going viral, like yeah. fighting geese. No, and you know what? It's going to be first UFC. Person. I know, and you know what, Brad? If that happens. Ultimate foul championship. Yeah, ultimate foul championship. Garbage. <laughs> On that note. Can I go Brad to Alice. the for that? <laughs> I'm terrible. taking the geese minus 250. <laughs> He's Brad Alice. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to AZ Wildcats podcast. Thank you.